Hey everyone, welcome to episode 41 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So it's been a couple of weeks since you've heard from me. As you may have noticed in the last episode, I mentioned that there was an upcoming uh, company sprint for Canonical in Toronto and myself and Joe and Jamie from the team were there representing the Ubuntu security team. And during that week, we recorded some great interviews with Jamie that I hope to put up uh, in the coming weeks. So this week, we'll include a chat that I had with Joe about a week ago, just before the sprint took place, actually, about some recent uh, password spraying attacks and some other stuff. And we're going to have a look back at the uh, vulnerabilities and updates of the past couple weeks as well that have been resolved by the Ubuntu security team. So these go for about the next 15 minutes. So sit back and relax and let's get into it. So this week, we've got 90 different CVEs to have a look at. So some of these are going to be done a bit briefly. I'll try to go into detail for some of the more interesting ones. So first up, uh, we've got a couple updates for our extended security maintenance customers. That's for ClamAV and for Squid. So both of these I mentioned back in episode 40, but our extended security maintenance customers, you've now got those updates as well uh, for precise extended security maintenance and for trusty extended security maintenance. We've got an update for events. So this is the GNOME PDF viewer. Uh, we've seen a few of these recently, and uh, this one is an update uh, for events in uh, the Xenial release, which is 16.04. Uh, it was an integer overflow leading to a buffer overflow when handing embedded TIFF contents in PDF documents. So if you are using events on Xenial, uh, you are now protected from that. We've got an update for the Linux kernel. So this is the three weekly uh, stable release update cycle for the kernel with uh, the latest uh, security fixes rolled in. Uh, first up, I'm gonna look at the update for uh, the Bionic 18.04 long-term support release. Uh, this is also used as the hardware enablement kernel for the Xenial 16.04 long-term support release. Uh, in this case, there were four different CVEs that were fixed. So two of these were information disclosure vulnerabilities. Uh, both of these were through uh, stack memory in the kernel. What would happen is essentially user space could call into the kernel uh, to retrieve particular data, uh, in particular uh, via the IO control system call. And so the kernel then has a buffer that it fills in with various elements to return back to user space and it wouldn't be entirely zeroed out. So various stack memory uh, from the kernel could be leaked to user space. So the first of these was in the Bluetooth Human Interface Device Protocol or HIDP uh, subsystem. In this case, it was an IO control on a socket and it wouldn't null terminate the name field. So you would then get other uh, data copied into that buffer and then leak to user space. And uh, the second one was in the X4 file system, which wouldn't zero out unused regions in the extents tree blocks, which are then returned to user space when it is looking up the extents uh, for a particular part of the file system. We've got a use after free that was fixed as well. Uh, this was due to a race condition in the reliable datagram socket uh, or RDS protocol module. And this would lead to your usual crash or potential code execution, depending on uh, how you can you know, corrupt memory as a result. Uh, this module, however, is blacklisted by default in Ubuntu. And so contrary to the original CVE description, this is actually not likely to be remotely exploitable because the use after free occurs on namespace cleanup. So unless you can somehow remotely trigger a namespace cleanup when the RDS module is in use, uh, you're not really able to trigger this one remotely. And we've got an update as well uh, for a vulnerability in the uh, Intel i915 graphics driver. It would fail to validate ranges of memory that were used for the memory map and map system call in certain places. So a local attacker who already has access to the graphics device could use this to uh, cause a crash or possible code execution, depending on how they can corrupt memory and therefore potentially escalate their privileges to root. 
We've also got an update for the kernel in uh, the Xenial 1604 release. So this is the standard kernel there. Uh, six CVEs that were addressed. Uh, two of these were uh, the Bluetooth, HIDP, and the X4 uh, information disclosures that I covered uh, earlier. Uh, we also had an update uh, for a vulnerability there in the Freescale Hypervisor Manager or HVM for PowerPC. Uh, this would use an invalid size uh, in a parameter for IO control uh, for a page size calculation. And so because this is provided by user space, a local attacker could use this to cause memory corruption uh, and they could then you know, escalate privileges or get code execution or however else they can do that uh, through the kernel. Uh, however, uh, this hypervisor uh, the Freescale Hypervisor Manager was only enabled in the uh, Xenial 16.04 kernel, which is kernel version 4.4, and so this doesn't affect later Ubuntu releases. There was also an update for the Broadcom Wi-Fi driver. This could possibly pass through uh, firmware events that it received over the air to the local uh, device. So basically, uh, you know, from one device you could broadcast firmware events, it could be received uh, by the driver on a second device, and it would then uh, send those to the, the actual Broadcom network device locally. So uh, not a great one, but that's been fixed. And there was also a possible SecComp bypass. So this is relevant only to ARM and relevant to SecComp policies that use ptrace. So what would happen here is that a tracing process uh, would be able to modify a parameter to a system call after SecComp had already gone and have made its evaluation as to whether that should be allowed or not, or whether the system call should be allowed or not, should I say. So basically, you're able to bypass the SecComp policy by going and changing that uh, parameter after the decision's been made. And finally, there was a race condition in the uh, serial attached SCSI, or SAS, uh, system uh, which could result in a use after free and therefore a crash so you could get possible code execution as well. Uh, a live patch notice was released for uh, the updates that I've just talked about so that is for uh, the Xenial and for the Bionic kernels. Note this is only for the standard kernels there not the hardware enablement kernels for those releases. So if you are using live patch and you're using the standard kernel, you will have got uh, fixes for most of those vulnerabilities that I've mentioned. Uh, one of them at least wasn't able to be fixed by uh, live patch, but yeah, you are still covered for most of them if you are using live patch and you haven't rebooted. Uh, the last thing I want to look at uh, in as far as kernels go is the kernel update for the disco release. So four CVEs here that were fixed. This kernel is also used as the hardware enablement kernel in uh, Bionic, which is the 1804 long-term support release, which is a 5.0 kernel now. The first two of these vulnerabilities were the information disclosure ones that I mentioned earlier in the Bluetooth and X4 uh, subsystems. Uh, but there were two particular vulnerabilities that were fixed uh, specifically for this 5.0 kernel. Uh, the first one was a race condition when core dumps were generated. So what would happen is that as the core dump is being generated, it wants to dump out the memory for a process but uh, it doesn't do any locking on that. So yeah, another thread could be uh, changing memory or that kind of thing for the process, changing where different things are mapped, that kind of thing. And so a local user uh, who could trigger a core dump would be able to then race that core dumping process against other memory management operations. And you could end up uh, accessing invalid memory during the core dump process. So you know this might say access memory outside of mapped regions so you'd get a crash therefore denial of service but if it's accessing uh, valid memory though you could get information disclosure because it is uh, memory that is actually mapped but not actually meant to be uh, accessible by that process that is now ending up in your core dump and finally there was an integer overflow in the page reference count so what would happen here is if you had, uh, say, more than 140 gigs of RAM, which is clearly uh, not going to be every user out there, but it will be some, 
this could happen. Essentially, that the reference counter for a given page could overflow and you would end up with a use after free as a result. Next up, I want to look at uh, the MySQL update. So 13 CVEs that were addressed for Xenial, Bionic and Disco. This is updating MySQL to the 5.7.27 uh, version. So this includes uh, a heap of different vulnerabilities that were fixed as well as uh, potentially some behavior changes, that kind of thing, as normally happens in MySQL package updates. So there were multiple variants here of the kind of attack where a low privileged remote attacker could gain uh, complete access to all of the MySQL server data so that they could modify or access various uh, elements. And also where uh, multiple versions as well, where a privileged or an unprivileged attacker could hang and crash the MySQL server. So definitely worth updating for that if you are running MySQL. We've got an update for the patch utility. So two different CVEs here fixed for trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, and Disco. The first of these was uh, an OS shell command injection. So you could have a crafted patch file that used shell meta characters, and this could es essentially be used to inject uh, shell commands uh, into the patch utility, which would then get run as the user running patch. And also patch would mishandle symlinks. So you could have a crafted patch file that would contain a symlink somewhere outside of the current working directory. And you could then use that later on in the patch to overwrite that file uh, with arbitrary content within the patch, which would give you a kind of arbitrary file overwrite on the system in question. If you're using patch and you're taking untrusted patches from the internet, I suggest you definitely update your patch version to this release. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you could be vulnerable to this kind of exploit. We've got an update for Ansible. So eight CVEs here fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Disco. The first of these uh, was a path reversal vulnerability in the fetch module. So this could allow an attacker to overwrite files outside of the specified destination. There were also a couple different uh, issues where the configuration or invent inventory variables could be read from the current working directory. So a local attacker could use this to point uh, you know, the configuration at an arbitrary module or plugin under their control. And so Ansible would then go and execute that. And so you could get code, code execution as uh, Ansible. And there are a bunch of other issues uh, related with variable substitution. So that if you had a configuration that used various variables in it, uh, they could be substituted for any value and therefore you could get information disclosure as a result. We have an update for VLC. So this one got a fair bit of media attention. Uh, there were actually kind of two updates for part of this. There was, yeah, a lot of, as I say, a lot of different media attention around this. People saying uninstall VLC now, etc. but uh, quite overblown because really the underlying vulnerability here was a heap-based buffer overread in the Matroska decoder. And so because this is a, uh, essentially you're reading outside of valid memory, the worst that you can cause here is a denial of service because it will just crash the process. You can't get code execution. You're not redirecting control flow, anything like that. Uh, at worst, uh, it could also be information disclosure because maybe it reads some other valid part of memory that feeds into the decoder. But yeah, not actually likely to be uh, the kind of code execution attack that this was hyped to be in the media. Uh, so what we've done is we've updated uh, the underlying libebml library, which had this vulnerability that is uh, you know, used by VLC. And we've also updated for a bunch of other vulnerabilities in VLC itself at the same time. So four CVEs that were fixed for VLC in Bionic and Disco. Uh, two of these were heat-based buffer overflows. So these are actually, you know, compared to the one I just talked about, which got all the press, these are much more important. So uh, these are possible remote code execution, uh, but likely they are mitigated due to address space layout randomization and other hardening attributes that we apply in Ubuntu. There was also a double free that was fixed. 
and because we use glibc heap protector in ubuntu you can't actually cause heap corruption or anything as a result uh, glibc will detect this and will abort so this is just a denial of service vulnerability and finally there was uh, an invalid pointer to your reference uh, due to use of an uninitialized pointer so this could cause a crash or possibly information disclosure if that pointer is pointing to some valid uh, memory region but that was unintended so next up i'm going to look at some up an update for exim so one cve here fixed for xenial bionic and disco this was a possible remote code execution as root if your configuration was using uh, the sort expansion on items that could be controlled by an attacker so these are things like the domain and other variables uh, so yeah if you were using sort uh, i urge you to definitely update your exim installation for that one uh, quickly now we've got an update for firefox so this just updates to uh, the latest upstream release which is 68.0.1 this is a bug fix release for some minor regressions that were contained in the previous firefox 68.0 update we've also got an update for open ldap so two cves here fixed in xenial bionic and disco uh, in particular it would confuse authorization for one user with another so if you were using uh, sazzle for authentication uh, in those code paths it could confuse uh, say your authentication with someone else that had previously authenticated and so you may be able to get access to things that you are actually not entitled to uh, under the auspices of that other user we've got updates for openjdk so both openjdk 8 in xenial and openjdk 11 in bionic and disco and this is updating each to the latest up respective upstream releases and in the process fixing seven different cves for each uh, but to save time i'm not going to go into the details of that uh, we've got an update for subversion so if you are using subversion as an svn server on xenial uh, this is relevant to you both of these were uh, remotely triggerable denial of service issues where this svn serve process could be made to crash uh, just by a particular request made by an svn client so you definitely want to update for that if you are using uh, of your running subversion server in xenial and finally, we've got an update for Django. So four CVEs here fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Disco. The first of these was a denial of service via memory exhaustion uh, when you are encoding an attacker-controlled URL. Uh, the second was possible SQL injection in key and index lookups in JSON handling. And uh, the last two were two different CPU-based denial of service problems. So, so the first of these was in the strip tags function, which uh, would consume uh, an excessive amount of cpu if the input to it contained large sequences of nested but incomplete html entities and the other one was due to the problem uh, due to the use of a reg regular expression match with backtracking and so this could cause a large amount of cpu usage again having to backtrack so much across uh, the regular expression and the match that you're looking at all right so uh, there's a few other updates there that i have not covered today uh, to save time, that was URL lib3 for trusty extended security maintenance. Uh, you can find out the details of that actually back in episode 33 where I covered that uh, for the standard support releases. We also updated temp reaper for Xenial and Bionic and we did Pango for Disco and Sigil in Xenial, Bionic and Disco. And I just want to give a quick shout out for that one to Mike Salvatore from our team. Uh, this was a zip slip vulnerability that he discovered and is actually related to some that I talked about in the last episode, episode 40, that Mike also found. And that's it for CVE updates for the last two weeks. So that took a bit longer than I thought, but yeah, we got there in the end. So next, I've got a chat that I had with Joe about two weeks ago now about some recent password spraying attacks. 
So just to clear up any confusion, at the start here where Joe talks about uh, doing the podcast on his own, potentially without me, after having had a week's break, uh, he's actually referring to the previous break that I had and not the week that we've just had uh, together with Jamie in uh, Toronto for the company sprint. Hey, Alex. Well, we're returning after our, our, our short break. As I said, I could do the Ubuntu Security Podcast, but it would be like Van Halen without David Lee Roth. You'd listen to it, but it just wouldn't be as good. No disrespect oh, thanks, to man. Sammy Hagar. <laughs> and I don't know who our Sammy Hagar would be. Jamie. We, we yeah. keep talking about Jamie and Twitter and on this, and we just can't get him on this call, can we? Yeah. Yeah, no, we really should. Um, we'll have to do one about snaps with Jamie, without a doubt. Yes, I think we have a, a, a company-wide meeting in Toronto soon. Maybe we can make it happen then. Which actually yeah. I'll bring up. Um, this is not security-related, this next 30 seconds, but you know, Canonical is a almost entirely remote company. But one thing that works really well for us is we meet up multiple times a year, either as a full team or as to segments of the team to do certain sprints. And it, I think it really helps with our in our efficiency as a team because you learn to... No, you learn how people work more than just through a hangout or a meet or something like that. So it's kind of neat. So I say that because we always have new jobs opening up on the uh, security team. And that's one of the cool things about our team. Okay, so that's, that's the end of me um, talking about that. So this week, let's talk about something that's um, uh, in the news. And it was about a Citrix hack. And I don't really want to focus too much on the fact that it was Citrix and and how it ha- and uh, how much data they lost, which, it, but sort of how we can detect this type of attack. So, um, Citrix apparently lost six terabytes of data um, through a password spraying attack. And um, one way the attacker was able to get so much data is because they had single sign-on. So we all think about single sign-on as a great way to be more efficient and not have to have all these different passwords. But I guess if your attacker does get that password, it makes pivoting to other places in the network a lot easier because of single sign-on. But um, let's not talk about I personally love single sign-on and a lot of them have different ways where it can see um, where 2FA has worked into it. So actually, you know, maybe the single sign-on wouldn't have even gotten that far. But let's talk about password spraying. Um, I am astounded with the way in which the security industry can come up with different ways to describe the same attack. So... Password spraying is just brute force password attacks. But instead of saying, you know, if you've used like John the Ripper, instead of saying username, or, for, or let's say user zero, um, password one, password two, password three, password four, et cetera, until it gets through, it uses user zero, password one, user one, password one, user two, password one, and goes around. So most um, lockout mechanisms don't lock out based on an IP but lockout based on a username and uh, a username combination. So a user is locked out from this IP or just this user is lo- locked out from logging in. So if you think about a user trying to log in as root over and over again, we block root from being able to log in for 10 minutes. Or maybe if you have a bank, the bank might lock out your account for an hour or 24 hours. Um, and what password spraying does is it tries to get around that by trying all sorts of different username combinations. So you can usually figure out a company's um, email address or user scheme by either looking at like um, comments in Git, um, uh, LinkedIn, maybe white papers, PR stuff. You'll see username, dot last name, or first name, last name, or something like that. And so they try that combination and go through it. But I used to be a, a professor and I used to teach a secure web programming class. And in that class, I taught that you should block 
NIP um, based on a certain number of failed logins, regardless of the username. You know, just block the IP. And I'd get some pushback um, saying, well, what about if what about NAT? So NAT, if you know, you're gonna have all these different users being network address translated to a single user or a single machine, etc. Being um, think of a corporate firewall. Everybody might appear, all 10,000 employees might appear to come from one IP. So you could be locking the entire company out. And, you know, I think you need to take an approach. What is the data you're protecting? Can you do that? Um, is it feasible to block out based on that IP? Um, could you do something silly? If you think about it, could you block based on IP and like the agent string? Could you do that as well? I mean, obviously the attacker could just rotate agent strings, but I don't see most attackers doing that. And if you look at logs, they just tend to either use curl or some sort of thing that uses the same predefined, you know, fake agent string. Yeah, now you've said it though. That's what they'll start doing next. Oh, you tell us you do that. And yeah. um, and, and credit me in some way with the attack. Um, the well, then you have to come up with a cool um, name for it. Yes, which we've yeah. talked about, but we've come up with a new attack name. We came up with the name first. The attack will come second. We're going to write a white paper on it it's gonna be great everybody but um so these things you know you can also de- detect malicious behavior based on like i think if you follow us on twitter um ubuntu underscore sec you might have seen me on firewall friday ask about um if anybody uses netflow but netflow is fantastic for detecting this type of behavior because you'll see the same amount of or you'll see very characteristic amounts of bytes and flags coming in for a login you'll see this login come in X number of attempts, then you're locked out, right? Or not locked out, but then you're kicked out and you do the next one, right? Think of logging into SSH. You know, three failed logins and the connection is reset. So that's usually like 110 bytes, has a certain number of flags, and you can profile that traffic. And you can see one IP address making that traffic over and over, cut them off. Um, you could probably even do that in a in a snort rule, right? Um, I mean, snort's not going to do deep packet inspection for anything that's encrypted, but... I think you can now do decryption. But anyhow, let's not talk about that. I don't know the answer for that. But with, with Snort, you can probably detect that type of traffic and also block it with that. Um, so there's ways to detect this. And like, I don't know, what about your logs? Didn't your log show like failed login from user X, IP this, and then keep going? Like, didn't the SIM show something about that? I mean, that could be a lot of noise, but um, but still, you should be able to see one IP was causing more traffic and other things. Although I guess you could say, could the attacker be rotating IPs? So did they have like a giant Tor network they were going through? And I think I read in the article that this might've been a targeted, maybe even nation state attack. But even then you're going to see enough failed logins. Something should be surprising, right? You should be able to do some sort of metrics against your system to discover like, oh, wow, we went from having a thousand failed logins in a day to having 10,000, right? Mm. It should be something to tip that off. Yep. Sort of my thought on that one. Yeah, well, what I... I like about that too is, uh, yeah, as you said at the start, even the name, uh, password spraying. Uh, the other one I liked recently is credential stuffing, which uh, turns out to just be essentially reuse of passwords in that, you know, someone gets, say, a data dump of passwords and usernames from some breach and then they just try to, you know, automatically reuse that against some other uh, website. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they get these names from, but uh, I guess to make something stick, you've got to have a cool name. It's like vulnerabilities. You know, if your vulnerability exactly. doesn't have an awesome name like Dirty Cow or Meltdown or Spectre or... Sack Panic. Yep. Um, then yeah, uh, no one's going to remember off. it. They have a life of their own. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I had heard uh, before in meetings, oh, you security people have all sorts of acronyms. And I was like, I don't think we have any more than network engineers. They have all sorts of acronyms, but... the. I don't know. I think we might have more acronyms than we need. (laughs) 
you might be reinventing the the same thing, giving it cool new names over. But it regards, you know, yeah. actually, it's 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 a good thing though too because even if the, you're rebranding something, you're bringing it back up to the attention of people who might have ignored it and thought, well, people aren't doing that attack anymore. Now people are only doing the latest attack I read about, where they, um, you know, where they use what was it, the accelerometer in Android phones to to listen to or take control of other phones it's something crazy i don't know uh, how this attack works but yeah that might be a possibility but yeah people are still brute force password attacking and phishing and that's how they're getting in yep that's it it is uh it still seems to be the uh the fundamentals is where uh you need to be at you know you need to be patching and you need to be you know aware of what systems you still have and what legacy gear you've got I think there's some very wise advice from from Spock, and you guys can't see this, but Alex can because we're doing a video recording. He said, "Live long, live long and prosper. Live long and patch." <laughs> oh, we totally need to get some t-shirts done, Joe. <laughs> we absolutely do, and you couldn't tell, but I was doing a very yeah. bad Vulcan hand thing. It was really just, oh, Alex, that was great. Oh, I thought the screenshot that and included in the uh, in the uh, notes. <laughs> Well, anyhow, I think we've covered this topic pretty good this week. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have questions, just let us know in in Twitter or if you want to send us an email at security at Ubuntu.com. And uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again, Joe. Awesome talking to you again for another week. Okay, so that takes us to the end of this week's show. If you'd like to get in touch with the team, as Joe said, you can reach us at security at Ubuntu.com. Or if IRC is more your thing, you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network. Or if Twitter is more your thing, uh, you can hit up Joe on that at Ubuntu underscore sec. All right. So everyone, thanks again for listening again for another week. Uh, as I said, in the coming episodes, I hope to have uh, an interview or two with Jamie Stramberg from our team. But until then, remember, keep calm, enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.